Welcome to It's Pronounced Memoir, a podcast where we read and discuss celebrity memoirs for our enjoyment and sometimes yours. My name is Mariana Olenko, and I'm joined by two co-hosts, Anne Imig and Wendy Ahrens. Hi, Anne. Hi. Wendy. <laughs> I'm just waiting to be called on. Hello. <laughs> Wendy, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about this one today. Oh, good. Well, today we're discussing Paris, the memoir. The book was published in May 2023. It's 330 pages long. Before we begin, please be mindful of the following content warnings. Emotional abuse, rape, sexual abuse, extreme wealth. Prior to reading this memoir, Wendy, what did you know about Paris Hilton? Well, she's been hard to avoid the last 20 years, but I just knew her as a rich, kind of an annoying person that was always in the media carrying little dogs. And she was always in Us Weekly magazine back in the days I used to read it. So lots of engagements, lots of broken engagements, mm -hmm. a sex tape, the whole thing, like very early 2000s type of celebrity. I think all three of us had children born around the time when she was peaking in yes. early 2000s, right? Yes. So I feel like all my memories of her are seen through that prism of I'm exhausted by childbirth and child rearing. And here she's having this kind of fabulous life. And did you watch Paris Hilton's sex tape? Well, I've seen yours. Hers, believe it or not, I have not. I never saw. I haven't thought of her in many years. Like, she was very big around those early 2000s. And then after The Simple Life and her whole That's Hot trademark, you have to say trademark whenever you say That's Hot. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much forgot about her. So, Anne, what was your enthusiasm quotient about this memoir before reading it? I was curious because I did know that she talked a lot about this abusive, horrible experience at this school. So I think that's what made me intrigued more than reading 300 pages about her escapades. Just to clarify, it's 330 pages. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so Thank sorry. <laughs> I'm fired. Oh. Really? The book is divided into four parts that I think are chronological, and each one starts with a quote from a famous person. What I thought was interesting, to the extent we can use that word for this memoir, is that two of them are from Marilyn Monroe. One is from Bridget Bardot, and one is from Conrad Hilton. That's her grandfather, Connie. His it was either him or Connie Selica, I can't remember. So Conrad Hilton's quote is the one that I find the most poignant. Be ever watchful for the opportunity to shelter little children, for they must bear the burden of our mistakes. And I wonder, it's given as a quote out of context, and it's powerful because, of course, we all want to shelter little children. I assume he doesn't necessarily imply that at the Hilton Hotel. The but Hilton I Kids do... Club. Oh, mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Well, now it's all falling into place. Yeah. But I do wonder what he was referring to about sheltering little children. 
But that doesn't matter because Marilyn has some quotes too. For example, never regret anything because at one time it was exactly what you wanted. I could spend way too much time on that, but it makes like zero sense to me because lots of horrible things happen that people have regrets about. The other quote she has is from Bridget Bardot. I'm a girl from a good family who was very well brought up. One day I turned my back on it all and became a bohemian. This reminds me of quotes that we used to put next to our pictures in yearbooks. I don't know if people still do that. They're somewhat aspirational, somewhat unrelated to real world, just stuff that sounds good or good enough. I'm just not sure what pose Paris is striking here with the quotes. And the final one from Marilyn Monroe, just to close that fun loop, is sometimes good things fall apart so that better things can fall together. I did Google all these quotes as part of my due diligence and they are all attributed to her, but I can't imagine that Marilyn Monroe was so quotable. That's such a hack starlet thing to do where they get Marilyn Monroe tattoos of quotes she said. And I think Lindsay Lohan was big on that. It's To me, it's just sort of hacky. Although that said, I wouldn't expect a Maya Angelou quote in the Paris book. And if you go with the first attribution of any quote that you find online it's almost always wrong i mean hilarious you have to dig and dig to find who actually said the thing and often you can't even find it but you know it wasn't marilyn challenge accepted and all right all right let's i know the first thing we learned about paris is that she has adhd and her description of what it's like to live with it is pretty vivid and alarming she says that the adhd brain processes past present and future as a spirograph of interconnected events that sounds exhausting but she said it also helps her in a lot of her endeavors she has some trepidations about revealing the things that she does in this book. And this is a quote. I'm super protective of my family and my brand. The businesswoman who grew out of a party girl and the party girl who still lives inside the businesswoman. So it scares me to think about what a lot of people will say. I personally felt that this protectiveness was very obvious in this book that although she reveals a lot about her family and what happened to her, she doesn't let herself look too deeply into her feelings and her reactions to the events that occurred to the extent that her family contributed to them. For example, she says that her parents are, again, this is a quote, the most wonderful, loving parents in the world. And as a reader, I have some questions about that. They were the ones who sent her to a school that is, I don't know if it's C-E-D-U or C-D-U, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it was for troubled kids. It was run like a cult. She experienced tremendous emotional, physical abuse, she and the other children there. And it was wealthy parents giving up their right to parent the children because they felt or were led to believe that they had no other choice to save their child's life. And they had no idea what was going on. They were conditioned that their kids would call and be distraught and talk about abuse, but it was all just part of their lying. So the parents were totally gaslit and conditioned. 
And it doesn't surprise me. She, Paris Hilton is still so traumatized and she was cast out of her family. So it was very evident to me why she has this push and pull between being so relieved to be back in her family and have such a closeness with her family and then what she experienced and the anger that is like underneath all that. And I feel like she can't afford to really go there just even emotionally. When you say she can't afford to go there emotionally, I think that's a great choice of words because can she really take a position that, hey, you guys really fucked me? What the hell do I know, first of all? But like, if I was just guessing, there's part of her that's just not ready to pay the price for that kind of honesty and perhaps have to deal with the consequence of the anger and rejection from her parents again. What did you think, Wendy? She's not a very deep thinker. And she seems like she's constantly in motion. And I will say that I am a proud watcher of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And her mother, Kathy, was on it the past two years. And she's a fascinating, strange character. So I could kind of see, you know, she seems like she's a nice person, but very, everything is great. Everything is perfect. No complaints from anybody type of image conscious person. And she didn't seem like she had a lot of warmth towards her. So that made me think that Paris loves her, but it's a very not deep down and dirty type of let's air our laundry relationship. Yeah, that's not their family culture. It's fascinating to watch the two of them talk because these polar opposites, like you can see Paris's anger. And then you can see her flip into this like lovey-dovey. She even talks about like her baby boys. We'll get to that. But it's bizarre and fascinating. Like you said, the interview that we watched of the two of them on that swing. in the Like at the end of the interview, her mom just starts talking about the calendar. I want you to be at something on the 23rd. Like while the interview is going, I mean, it's just <laughs> bizarro. My guess is that her parents did not know how she was being tortured. But oh, I sure. think there was a real giving up, oh, good, we'll pay for this and we don't have to think about it. She'll be in good hands. These people know how to treat it. And I don't know how forgivable that is. A good point. When you're used to just being able to pay for whatever and you don't think too much about it. It's set up perfectly, too, where the school is saying your kids are going to call and say these things that aren't true. And, you know, they're so worried about her life heading in the wrong direction. She gets kicked out of every school she goes to. So they sided with the authority, which a lot of parents would do and have done. She wasn't the only one at the school that suffered this or had disbelieving parents. Well, it sounds like she was sneaking out and partying. And that was like the extent of her out of control behavior. And it does make you wonder, like, was the impetus for all this about preserving the Hilton image? Like, we didn't really find out what was so heinous in the home. I felt that, too. And I guess if my kid were sneaking out every night, it would be a cause for alarm. Um, Probably. I don't know. But what else was she doing? Why was she getting kicked out of school? She doesn't say. That was like her ADHD stuff where she just was 
school wasn't for her. But I will yeah, say she was- they did have a realistic fear about her being kidnapped. So her going out at night and sneaking out and then she, that kiss with the teacher, that oh, whole thing yeah. was wild. I can see how they would be really afraid. There were real threats of her getting kidnapped. There was this crazy thing with her teacher coming on to her. And I think she was in the eighth grade or ninth grade when that yeah. happened. She was yeah. crazy young. Like 13. So just to recap, there was a teacher who called her, I think, the best girl. And he had this really inappropriate crush on her. And at one time she was in the car with him and he was kissing her. And her parents pulled up behind them. And he just like gave chase with her in the car. And he's crying, saying, look what you made me do. Like, what an asshole. So then she gets back home into her room, gets into bed. Her parents come in. And she's like, uh, uh, what? And they just drop it. And they never talk about it again because it's embarrassing and uncomfortable, which I guess goes with what Wendy's perception of Kathy Hilton is. There was a quote like that she, Paris says her mother's motto was don't complain, don't explain or something like that. I'm going to try it out this week myself just to see how it goes. Well, it's very but, stereotypically wasp, right? Yeah. Rich Paris herself was talking about one of the interviews where her mom finds out for the first time, it might've been in the documentary on YouTube. She talks about when she's telling her mom what really happened for the first time and Kathy puts her head down and Paris is like, oh, she's really like understanding and feeling this. And then when her face comes back up, it's like back to a smile. The mask just goes right back on. So I'm going to go a little back into history because there's a tidbit that I love. Uh, Paris Hilton was born in New York City, February 17, 1981. And then her family moved to California. Do you remember whose house they bought when they moved there? My ears really perked up. They bought it from Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angel. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, for some historical background, her grandfather, Conrad, was briefly married to Zaza Gabor. But through my Pulitzer Prize winning research, I learned that the briefly was actually for five years from 1942 to 1947. They had a daughter, Francesca Hilton. And Zaza Gabor had written in her autobiography that the daughter was a result of rape by her husband, Conrad Hilton. Paris doesn't go into that, but that was before her time and ours, of course. Her great uncle, Mickey, was Elizabeth Taylor's first husband when Liz was 18 and he was older. And another favorite tidbit is that Bethany Frankel from Real Housewives of New York was her aunt Kyle's friend and was Paris's and her sister Nikki's babysitter. So that's a fun thing. Her mother, Kathy Hilton, attended Montclair College Preparatory School in L.A. and was besties with Michael Jackson. So bizarre. Isn't it? So bizarre. So wait, let's back up a second. Because age-wise, her mom and Michael Jackson were best friends. Michael Jackson did stop aging when he died. (laughs) Well, he aged in reverse. So this kind of math that is way beyond me. (laughs) Do we think they're the same age, though? I would think that Kathy would be older, but I guess I've lost track. Let's keep talking about Let's this. Let's keep talking this about this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll add some math in the show notes. 
at some point, Paris wears a dress that she describes as iconic, silver chain male dress by Julian McDonald, and says that dancing in that dress is better than a milk bath. Let's pause right here. I know we're women of a certain age, and I think I know you both well enough to guess that neither one of you has ever taken a milk bath. Am I right? Well, are we talking soy milk or whole dairy milk? <laughs> do you, do we think Paris has taken a milk bath? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure she's had every spa treatment. That's a spa treatment? Know. Well, I just assumed. My God, I've never even seen that in, on spa menu. That's right. If, you, this... if you're a Hilton Gold member, that comes with the room. <laughs> I assume that the milk bath was something they did on The Simple Life, no? Uh, oh, no. I, I don't. No, that was no. more rough and rough and tumble. That was putting like those two in the sticks. Yeah, being sprayed in the face with a cow milker thing. Okay, Maybe. that's you mean not an a milk utter? bath. Yeah, you mean an utter? Oh, I mean an utter. That's the kind of milk bath they had in North Dakota when yeah. he was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The teat, the, the teat. Oh, the teat. no. The oh. <laughs> we'll leave the milk bath right there in the dairy section. Paris meets Nicole Richie in school and they're besties. And then she's in trouble all the time. There's that teacher who she refers to as Mr. Abercrombie, who's a grown adult and is obsessed with her. We talked about that a little earlier. She gets sent to live with her grandmother, Kathy's mother, whose nickname for some reason is Graham Cracker. Yeah. Delicious or racist? Cute. Mm. Okay. Grandma's kind of cute. Adorable. At some point, she returns to New York and attends professional children's school where she focuses on the fashion industry. Macaulay Culkin goes there too, and so does Christina Ritchie, and they hang out together. At that point, low-key paparazzis following Paris, and she feels protected by them. She tells her parents when they say you could be kidnapped, they're like, oh, the boys are looking out for me. And it kind of made sense to me, like when she's getting into some cab, there's somebody taking a picture where yeah. she's going. After the school year ends, she and her sister go to the Hamptons. But then... Princess Diana dies in Paris, and she's devastated. We adored Princess Diana. Now she was in heaven with Marilyn, forever young, forever perfect. I, I'm just guessing that Paris and the ghostwriter had some discussions about this. Like <laughs> Paris has never mentioned heaven before, and suddenly Diana and Marilyn are in heaven together. And I don't know if they're like the only two people there, but if any, <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot more about heaven because the next thing we know, she was sound asleep at about 4.30 in the morning when my bedroom door crashed open and someone tore the covers off me. A this hit. is fucking nuts, this part. I mean, you, mm -hmm. if, if nothing else happened but this, you would literally be traumatized for life. How old was she? Like 14 or 15 or something? Yeah, I don't know if there's a good age for this to happen, I'll be honest. <laughs> so someone tore the covers off me. A thick hand grabbed my ankle and dragged me off the mattress. I was instantly awake, hyper awake in a state of panic, shrieking, struggling. My mind instantly went to the obvious. 
Well, she thought she was being kidnapped. And then the the worst, it gets way worse when your parents are just standing there like, bye. I mean, they were crying or whatever, but they weren't coming to your rescue. They were hiding behind the door like they were just peeking out. So apparently her parents had arranged for her to get transported to a school compound in San Bernardino Mountains where parents were worried about their teenagers send their children. I don't know how someone ever falls asleep again after something like that. She doesn't. She doesn't. She can't sleep. She hasn't slept her whole life after this. So it's a horror show. It involves humiliation, abuse, malnutrition, digital rape. Sleep deprivation, like every, the mind control, like they couldn't be human. They were monitored constantly. And if you like winked at the wrong time, you would be given harsh consequences. It was, it was really, it was, it was so disturbing to even read. Her parents told family and friends that she was in boarding school in England but I find it hard to believe this is someone who had paparazzi following her when she was in New York. Wouldn't they have looked for her in London? Did Nicole Richie think she was in boarding school in England? Wouldn't they just still keep in touch? It's so strange to me. And none of it is Ferris's fault, but... No, but they probably had some influence with the press. They are extremely wealthy, so they they may have been able to squash some stories if anything got out. But it's she was like, as famous back then, so. True. Yeah. Oh, that's a really important point, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if it was a Paris we knew later, boarding school or not, she would be all over London photographed. But you're right, Wendy, we just weren't there yet. People didn't even know who she was outside of this really small upper crust New York City circle. She runs away from this school and quotes a few times. She's always found and dragged back. One time she calls Kyle Richards, who I think is maybe 20 years old at the time, and Kyle calls Kathy and the guards, the goons come to get Paris back. It's really heartbreaking. And she's so brave. She does this over and over again. I mean, literally risking death each time. It was pretty astonishing. It was. It was kind of surreal. And it's hard to imagine such a young kid surviving something like that. Yeah. When she talks to her parents about it after she graduates or turns 18 and can leave this place, this wasn't about a kid ditching school and talking back, says mom. We did it to save your life, Dad says straight up. You needed to go there. You were out of control. But again, other than her ditching school and going out at night, sneaking out, it's not really clear what she did that gave them such alarm. And I do believe that their alarm was real. I think they really thought they were doing this to save her life. I don't think she doing drugs. That was never brought up. She said she did not do drugs then because because of ADHD. She said reality was her drug. Like she wanted yeah. to go dancing. She wanted to go to partying. When she turns 18, she gets out and her parents send her to Catholic school when she hates. And then she goes to Storm King, a wonderful place for rich, bucked up kids. But I got kicked out for the usual reasons. Plus keeping ferrets under my bed. Oh, <laughs> she loves animals. We haven't talked about this. 
little known fact, she had all these crazy animals growing up, like goats. And she had a little monkey. I remember rats. She rats named after all the characters in Beverly Hills 90210. I can see someone meticulously reenacting this for an Instagram reel. Oh, my gosh. She says, my education was how to scrub toilets and haul rocks, how to fight for my sanity, how to hurt people before they had a chance to hurt me. I was great at that. Algebra, not so much. It was very heartbreaking when she comes out of the school and her observations on how the world has changed in a few years. It's like Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Oh, my God, you're right. This is what she says. Euros had become a thing. The new IMAX had hello and came in a selection of Easter egg colors. Everyone had email now and cell phones. When I lived in Palm Springs, Graham Cracker had a mobile phone the size of a submarine sandwich with an antenna sticking out on top. Now everyone had these adorable little Nokia phones. There, there's some more stuff. She has a meeting with Harvey Weinstein and a producer. She says that the producer sat there cringing and saying nothing while Harvey made pervy weird comments about me and my potentially huge future in his world. He was as creepy and aggressive as a person could be over lunch in a crowded restaurant. Then she moves in with two Playboy bunnies. Oh, wait. One second, I wanted to bring one thing I found really interesting that was in the documentary is, so she had done all this horrible manual labor in the schools. And then they talk about how on The Simple Life, she was playing this character and people might not believe she was playing a character, but in the documentary, she meets with some of their former schoolmates. And they said when they saw her, be like, I don't know how to use a mop. They were like, whoa, I mean... (laughs) She had to play this character who'd been pampered her whole life. Meanwhile, like it was completely the opposite. And they also knew her as extremely bright. And one of them organically brings it up, like how they just couldn't believe this character because they remembered. They did take some kind of classes in that school. And there was a conversation about economics and she explained it all in like one breath. And everyone was like, oh, my God. So I don't know. It's very interesting, this persona. And then having these totally independent people verifying some of the stuff that'd be really hard to believe about her because she plays that persona so convincingly. It's like a a shapeshifter. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like for survival. Yeah. That description by others in the program is not consistent with how she describes herself. She describes herself as not academically gifted, as not interested. So it's almost self-inflicted to a certain extent. I think she cultivates that persona. Yeah, she actually describes she can't even stop it. It's like like that baby voice thing. It comes out of... So she lives with two playmates. YouTube launches in 2005, three days before her 24th birthday. Hugh Hefner wants her to be a playmate, but her mom shuts it down. When her mom was a teenager, Hugh Hefner also wanted her to be a playmate, but, but Graham Cracker didn't let it happen. I don't know. Maybe Hugh Hefner should ask adult women to pose. What a beautiful lineage. Matrilineage. <laughs> such, such a nice legacy. 
Then she and Nicole are in The Simple Life, which I think I saw one episode. And you watched it a bit, right? Yeah, I watched Big it a bit. I, I watched it a bit. I think I just was mostly fascinated that Nicole Richie was Lionel Richie's daughter. I didn't know who Paris Hilton was. Nobody really did, I don't think, at this point. But it was interesting because there had been Survivor. There had been, um, like... This was a new kind of reality TV. It was right around the same time as like Nick and Jessica Newlyweds. I was a big fan of that one. So I think there was the cringe worthiness part of like these, these celebrities interfacing with regular people in the sticks kind of weirded me out. So I didn't really go all in with it because it was hard to watch. Like they would flirt with and pretend to date some of the boys, like even the host family. And it just made me so uncomfortable. Do these guys think that they really like him? You know, just that kind right. of like playing with him. Her description of it is quite kind. Like she seemed like she and Nicole really liked the people that they were with, the host family. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a bratty thing. That's because they did that. I feel like it was set up to not be like that. And that Nicole and Paris smartly and intentionally took it a different direction instead of being catty and they they made it genuine and I appreciated reading that. Yes, yes, I did too. Okay, so then South Park, which is a show that Paris loved, did an episode on her. This was hard. It was called Stupid Spoiled Horror Video Playlist. She's the title. All? Yeah, she's the title I never character. Liked that show. Yeah, I've never seen that show, but she definitely understands the misogyny and she comments on it in all the ways that I appreciate. After I read this book and I read some reviews so I could know what to think, one of the reviews said that she identifies as asexual, which I completely missed. She, she says that, yeah. And that until she met her husband, she was a is sexual, but now she really likes to get it on with him, which is great. Well, again, uh, for a yeah. sexual experience was total trauma. So that tracks completely with me. Are we mm-hmm. going to talk about the sex tape? Because I think that is really an interesting subject. Absolutely. So it reminds me of how we might look at Monica Lewinsky differently now. Like her telling of it is very sad. And it reminds me, did you see the Pamela Anderson documentary? Yes, that was did actually not. really good and powerful. And just yes, with her, with her and Tommy, like it was all done to them. That was not in their control. These sex tapes are, it's like a hijacking. And mm-hmm. not only do you not profit from it, you have no control over it. It's completely humiliating. Derails the women's careers. Everybody thinks Kim Kardashian put that out on purpose to build her career. Right. I guess that was always the assumption and I totally bought into it. Of course, she knew what she was doing. To read what actually happened in her words is devastating and how young she was. And not only do you not profit from these things, but they can just haunt you and she does. I mean, as, as much money as Paris Hilton had, has. She envisioned a whole other life for herself that that sex tape ruined, according to her. And just even outside of the financial aspects, just the humiliation. And this is not what I want to be happening in the world. 
and her first um, boyfriend, right? He was, it was like, she was right out of those schools. You totally see how it happened. He was an older guy. I think it was her first boyfriend and he coerced her into doing this, having no idea he was going to do anything with it. It was supposed to just be for them or whatever. And of course, hindsight, but ugh. Yeah. And then what about, remember that fixer or manager that they get to take care of it? And some guy calls him and says, I have the sex tape, meet me at this hotel with a certain amount of money. And then they go there and he, he had hung himself. The guy who eventually hangs himself is the one who took the tape replicated it, made it a huge business, and then later felt guilty. That's what I remember reading, but my mind is not a steel trap. Neither is mine. We are, again, ladies of a certain age. (laughs) An attention span. We've lost Wendy, and I bet she would know. No, I don't remember that, that part at all. Oh, you don't? Okay. I read the whole book. I don't remember the hanging thing. Yeah, but there was a lot. There was a lot of events. Yeah. I did Is like there... how she went on um, SNL on Weekend Update and kind of owned the joke, owned the sex yeah. tape joke, which I thought was a good move at the time. I still do. It was her way of reclaiming that and not being the butt of the joke like on South Park. And didn't she talk about, was it Letterman? She went on Letterman and thought it was going to be a legit interview. And then he totally embarrassed her and it was just mortifying. I mean, yeah. it really reminds me of Monica Lewinsky. And she makes a really good point of and Brittany and the way that these young girls were treated. And because they were such celebrities, it was like we all assumed they were in on it or knew about it. And that just comes with the territory. And it looks really different 20 years later. Let me ask you some concluding questions. I was going to tell my Luxembourg Hyatt joke. No, never mind. Yes, please. Well, you must now. No, that's it. The discount Paris Hilton is, her name is Luxembourg Hyatt. Oh, I actually wrote it down. I I was so proud of it. Anyway, this will be cut out. No, it won't. Oh, no, but it will be explained to me very slowly (laughs) with sock puppets. It's like the off-brand Paris Hilton. Her name is Luxembourg Hyatt. Got it. Yeah. Actually, it would be like Des Moines. Super 8. Yeah. Des Moines. Des Moines Super (laughs) 8. What surprised you most about the memoir, if anything? That she trademarked words like sliving. Sliving, that she actually mm-hmm. trademarked words that mm-hmm. she was really into Bitcoin and crypto. And yeah, she loves tech. The DJ career, I missed that whole thing. There's yeah. a lot of surprising stuff. I also um, love how she's been married for like three years and she said, My husband and I say to each other, forever is not long enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised by how much I liked her in the first part of the book. And I was very engrossed in her story. And then the last part kind of lost it for me where she has a lot of stuff about going to Coachella and too many weird descriptions. Like that, I don't think that even needed to be in the book. She does, I think, more about her advocacy. That part of the story is really interesting and redemptive. And she's been trying to be a force for change in real ways. Yeah. 
I really like the way she wrote unapologetically as she should be unapologetic about having an abortion, about going in and out of relationships, just as a very matter of fact. I really respect and admire that. She's vulnerable. I'm torn because she provides a lot of facts about her background, but I don't think she does the emotional vulnerability just because horrible things happen to her. How much of her narrative did you believe? You think it's all true? I believed pretty much took all of it at face value, but then there were certain moments where I'm like, oh, come on. Like like when she reminisced about the hijinks she would do with Nicole Richie and with um, her sister, Nikki. Oh, and Farah. And that she said that she put them like on top of each other's shoulders to try to get into a club and put a trench coat around them like that. That's 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 from the Muppet movie. Yeah, exactly. That did not. It happened. Why did you throw that in there when we need to believe you on much more important things? I want to add this. I remember in the book, she talks about Dave LaChapelle photographs that she Mm -hmm. did and that were in Vanity Fair. And that's really what put her on the map. I remember at the time when that issue came out and that's all anybody was talking about because they were rich, beautiful, entitled girls that nobody had really seen before. And I think that really colored people's opinions on them for years and years. So when I read this, it was really interesting to see her thought process behind it. And I think she's extremely savvy and she knew exactly what she was doing and the result it would have. So I was most surprised by her business acumen and how Mm -hmm. she is very much in control of her image. And we see that and, and her personas and everything. But yeah, she's not stupid. That's for sure. Definitely and I was not. surprised by how much money she's made. My God, like her her goal now is a billion. She's way past the hundreds of millions. And she and doesn't take family lines. No, I mean, whatever that could mean, like a lot of things because you, you could be, I mean, she says she doesn't take any money and but you, maybe you've been set up in other ways, but- she has so many product lines and hotels and insane. perfumes, <laughs> perfumes, makeup, like clothing lines, hotels, uh, these DJ things where she makes like a million dollars an event. Right. Didn't I read that? A million dollars well, an event. And her wedding was on Netflix, I think. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You made a really good point about how you wish there were photographs in this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's strange weird because I would have loved to have seen some photographs like that better than a milk bath dress, for example. I would have liked to have seen Farah on top of someone else's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting, too, because in the documentary, you see she loves to collage and like bedazzle her collages, yeah. which you never would. It's so low tech. Well, and who like, doesn't? But all the other memoirs that we've read have had like, you know, big middle sections with photos like Dolezal and, you know, Matthew Perry. And you're like, of all the people who would have an inset, you would think it'd be her, but maybe she didn't want to pay for, I don't know, how, the Xeroxing. Or she's just like, please, I'm everywhere. They can yeah. Google it. They can Google yeah. me. Do you like her? Would you want to have coffee with her? A very Ooh. brief coffee because my reaction to her in the book is I really liked her. And then I found her to be getting obnoxious and tiresome by the end of the book. And I 
would anticipate that being how the lunch would happen. Oh, I, I said I coffee. Think... What's the lunch about? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't think she'd have a thing to say to any of us. Like she'd be friendly for a few minutes and then leave. Like I just can't imagine having any sort of actual connection. She yeah. lives on a different planet. I don't think she'd have any curiosity about any of us. And the discussion would be very one-sided. And she's also famous for pretending she has a cell phone call. So I think she'd be doing that like a minute into the coffee. I would like to see the unicorn hop, though. Oh, my God. Oh, I saw you told me to YouTube it, and I did. <laughs> I mean, in real life. In real oh, life. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Well, are we done? Yes. Uh, we are leaving Paris. We're departing Paris. Farewell. Bonjour. No. Bonjour. No. Au revoir. We'll be back soon with another memoir. Bye. Me too. Bye. Bye.